Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. It says once again, James chapter 1, it counted all joy, right? Whew, praise God. Whose job is it to count it all joy? It's mine. Praise God. <laughs> Ain't nobody else's job but mine. Just stir it up. It's so simple. And guess when you need to stir it up? When you don't feel like you have joy. That's why you have to stir it up. Praise God. Mm. But I don't know if you notice it's like even when we start getting into that, there's a place where your soul gets kind of comfortable and you've got to press past that. You've got to press past it every time. There's that place where, even tonight, as we were getting into it a little bit, there's that place where you kind of hit this place where you're like, okay, that's cool, I'm good, now we can sit down. No. Did you, did you notice the level? I don't know if you guys are aware of that. I mean, I see it over and over again in different places where, where you kind of reach this kind of little thing, you kind of reach a little thing where it's, oh yeah, that's nice, let's go ahead and sit down. Or, we can just go on. And if you go on, there's a higher level of victory. I mean, did you feel that when that hit? Did you feel it? Just by continuing in, you get past that soulish barrier that wants to be comfortable all the time. And I tell you, you need to kick that comfort in the head. You need to realize that your soul is, you understand, your soul is not in charge. Your spirit's in charge. And your spirit's always going higher. Glory to God. Your soul is always like, oh, let me just do what's comfy. Comfortable is not healthy. I I don't know if you noticed that. (laughs) But but if all I do is what's comfortable every day, I will not be healthy. It's more comfortable for me to just lay on a couch than to get up and be active. Understand? But you understand, that doesn't make a healthy lifestyle, does it? Nope. But if most people, especially in today's culture, if most people gave, gave half the attention to their soul as they do to their physical body, they would actually be in, in a, a very good place. But they're willing to put their body through all kinds of stuff just because they want to look a certain way, uh, but they're not willing to actually tell their soul no. But they're willing to tell their body no. Put it through all kinds of stuff just so they can look away a certain way or do whatever. But if you just tell your soul no, nope, you're not in charge. Your soul wants to lay around on the couch all day long. <laughs> you know? But no, it's not, it's not healthy to do that. you gotta, you got to, like I said, in those times of worship, in those times in your prayer life, in those times in, when you're reading the Word, there's those times when your soul kind of says, okay, that's acceptable, that's okay, that's reasonable. Uh-uh. God's extreme. I don't know if you realize how extreme God is. He is extreme. He's infinitely extreme. And so what, 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 he, what His level of joy, when it says joy unspeakable, and it says with that, it's full of glory. Praise God. Joy carries glory. I don't know if you realize that. Joy carries the glory of God. And if, if, I, if I get into the joy unspeakable, then what level of glory do I get into? Yeah, the fullness. The unspeakable glory. But I can't, I can't get there and allow my soul to be comfortable at the same time. i got to kick my soul in the head sometimes, most of the time, say, uh-uh, we're going on. And it's as simple as just, Continuing to stir it up. Let's keep going. Praise God. But man, you just have to go on to that next level and just, just challenge your soul all the time in those things. Praise God. Let's go ahead and get in the Word here. Let's, uh, go to Mark chapter 10. As we do, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. Leads us and guides us into all truth. And we just thank you, Father. That's, 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 that's simply all we, all we ask is all truth. Father God, you said you'd lead us and guide us in all truth, Lord God. And so we just want it all. That's all. We just want it all. That's what you're available. That's what you made available to us, and we simply choose to receive it. What do you want for tonight? What's ordained for right now? And we choose to receive the fullness of it. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 10. And we're talking, of course, teaching on healing. And um, last, last week... Um, Pastor Brian started a couple weeks ago. I continued on last week. Uh, and last week, if you remember, I was teaching on uh, just getting to know the healer, focusing on the healer. And if we don't know the healer, then healing is kind of hard. It's a struggle if I don't know the healer. 
But if I know the healer, then healing is easy. And so it's, it's, you know, that's why I was trying to lay that foundation last week of understanding that many times we, many times we, we learn principles of healing and, and, and the principles are valid and they're true. Uh, but uh, without knowing the healer, those principles are a struggle for us to grab a hold of. And they become a striving thing where we're always trying to get healed. But if I just know the healer, then the principles make sense and they're easy and they're natural and they just flow like a river. As is, which is how it's supposed to be. This is, the yoke is supposed to be easy and the burden is supposed to be light, right? And so, so I have to get to know the healer, though, in order to do that. And that's what I was talking about last week. And th- now this week I want to I get into some more of the, just the principles behind healing. And uh, Mark chapter 10 here, and we're going to start in verse 46. And this is talking about Bartimaeus. Now, we, if, if, if you're not familiar with this, this uh, account, we'll go through it here. But um, most of the time, uh, you know, people, people call Bartimaeus blind Bartimaeus. I don't know if you've ever had it, you know, if, if I say blind Bartimaeus, most Christians know who I'm talking about. I don't know why we call him blind Bartimaeus, he's not blind anymore. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't been blind for a long time, you understand. He should be called healed Bartimaeus, is what he, what he should be called. But we usually call him blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> and, uh, but after this, it's like, you know, I don't know why we, I, don't, I don't really don't even know why we call him that, because there's a lot of people who get healed in the Bible, we never call him leper, Simon, or, you know, we don't call them those things, you know, but only Bartimaeus is the one that's stuck uh, with a label of infirmity. Uh, but anyway, that's... Doesn't really matter. Uh, verse forty-six says, "Now they came to Jericho. As he went out to, of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, was his blind Bartimaeus. Now at this point he was blind. Says the son of Timaeus sat by the road begging. That's what that's what blind people did back then. Uh, it says verse forty-seven. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried all the more." Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Praise God. Now, we said this before, um, that every person who came to Jesus for healing got healed. Every one of them. There wasn't one person that Jesus ever sent away and said, well, no, it's not God's will to heal you, or maybe God's trying to teach you something, or maybe you just need to get more faith, or maybe you just need to, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, pay for your own sin or anything like that. Uh, none, none of that happened. Every person who came to Jesus, every single one of them who came, got healed. Glory to God. And this is, this, when he said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? So when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So however Jesus responds is how the Father responds. Does that make sense? So if everybody who came to Jesus got healed, then how many people who come to God should get healed? All of them, everyone. He wants them all healed, praise God. He paid for them all. And so, uh, but in this, I want us to see just a few principles that we can kind of take out of this, this account here and see, you know, I, I find it interesting the things that are in the Word of God because, it, like it's, I've talked about this before, in, in the book of John, it says that if all the things that Jesus did were recorded, that all the books on the earth could not actually hold it all. That's what it says. So he did a lot of stuff, right? But how much of that was really recorded? Very little. Very, very small percentage, Right? But it, it, it kind of encourages me to look at these things because then it tells me that the Holy Spirit picked certain accounts specifically. You understand this? If you could have put anything in there and the Holy Spirit only had certain accounts in there, then I have to begin to look at these accounts and say there was something specifically unique about this account that happened that God designed to put in here specifically to teach me certain things. In other words, he didn't put any, it wasn't just like a, oh yeah, whatever the disciples remembered, that's what they wrote down. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like that. Even with Mark. Mark wasn't even a disciple. Mark, Mark you know, he was, he was years later, and he was doing this by the Holy Ghost. He's writing things down by the Holy Ghost. And so, when I begin to look at what was recorded, I know, man, this was recorded for an eternal purpose. Because the word says that, that heaven and earth will pass away, but, what does it say? The world will never pass away. Right? So what, th- th- this account right here, this account of Bartimaeus, we will still be actually reading about Bartimaeus in a 10 billion years. Glory to God. So that must be a lot in here, right? 
A lot, a lot more than what we're going to get tonight, praise God. I can't get into 10 billion, ten billion years worth of revelation tonight. But we're going to get what we need tonight, amen? Um, but I want you to, I only say that because I want to encourage you, when you go back and read the Word of God, when you begin to, to, to go through, uh, you know, just the whole Word of God, but especially through the Gospels and these different things, you find out, you know, just, just begin to look at it. There's a unique reason why God put this in here. He could have put anything in here, but he chose this. And so there's something unique that he wants me to glean out of this. Now, interesting here, um, the first thing he says here, I'm going to just go through some of these principles real quick. It says, um, here he is, he's bar- he, blind Bartimaeus, verse 6. He's uh, sitting there begging, right? And verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus. Now, it's interesting that it says that he sat by the road begging. This is what his... This is what his his role was in life. This is where he was in society. He was a beggar because he was, he was blind, and so he's sitting there begging. It says, when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, it says he began to cry out. Now, um, the first thing he did, what does it say? It says that he heard, right? Very first thing, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Now, do you think that this is the first time he ever heard the word Jesus of Nazareth? No. Couldn't have been. Because... Yeah, he has faith here, doesn't he? Faith comes by hearing, right? So in other words, there would have been other times when, you understand, he's blind. He can't see what's going on. So all he hears is a crowd. All he hears is a crowd go by. All he hears is commotion. You know, and he's going, what's going on? You know, or it could have been that other people came from different situations and were talking with him and he overheard them or he was talking to them in person and they said, did you hear what Jesus did? He's like, Jesus who? Jesus of Nazareth. He healed somebody today. And he's like, wow, that's cool. Now, if you're a blind man and you hear that somebody healed somebody, here's the, I want you to see the process of this. Now, um, you know, I, I, you know uh, if you weren't here on Sunday, I encourage you to get the CD because you know, uh, Dave could probably shared it. It was really good. And, um, and, and you know, he was talking about faith and different things. And, uh, and um, one of the points I, I loved how he, he, of course, brought it out was the fact that that, you know, we're all, the word says in Romans chapter 12 that each man has been given the measure of faith. It's not so much that we need to get more faith, but we do need to develop our faith. You know, and to me, I always liken it to muscles. You know, that's why I usually liken, uh, I liken faith to muscles. How um, everybody in this room has the same amount of muscles, right? Same number of muscles. We were all born that way, right? Same number of muscles. Nobody was born with any less or any more unless they're deformed of some kind. But... Uh, now, is a baby very strong, but does it have muscles? It has the same muscles I have, right? So it was born with the same amount of muscles. It's just that they haven't developed yet, right? So the muscle, it doesn't, it doesn't need more muscles, does it? It just needs to develop what it has, right? And that's kind of what Dave was talking about, was just that, is that we don't necessarily need more faith. It's just we have to develop the faith we have. And so it, it's not, it, however you want to put it, it's fine. I don't really care. It's just a matter of learning how to develop that faith and how to allow faith to build. Well, that's what Jesus, he said, some people had little faith, some people had great faith. But in Romans chapter 12, it says each man has been given the measure of faith, right? And so the, the question is not in this room, everybody has different strength levels, right? But does everybody have the same amount of muscles? Yeah. It's just a matter of how far we've developed them. That's the only question. You know, and so, uh, so with this, here faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so here, here he is. He's, he hears about Jesus. And, and here he's a blind man. He hears that somebody got healed. And he, probably his first question is, what did they get healed of? And it could have been, oh, somebody was crippled and they got up. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. But you want to know what he wants to hear about? A blind person getting healed. Because faith is personal. Faith is not general. Faith is personal. Because if you hear about somebody healing a cripple, you'd be going, that's cool. But the whole time your mind's going, yeah, but they weren't blind. You understand? It, see, because if you don't get it personal, what happens is your mind disqualifies you. And so here's the thing. He's, he's listening, and he hears. And you know, I, I'm sure he probably heard one thing, and then another thing, and another testimony, another testimony. I don't know how many, two or three maybe. And the whole time he's like, now faith is starting to build because he's like, oh, now he heard he healed a deaf person. And then, I mean, man, he rose somebody from the dead. Whoa. You start hearing stuff like that. Now suddenly your blindness doesn't look that big anymore, right? And so you're going, well, if he can do that, if he can do that, then surely... 
you know, this is no problem. You know, and, but the thing is, you have to start, you have to, like I said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can't just hear the name one time and actually expect to act the way that he acted. I mean, notice how he acted. It says, uh, do you guys have the Amplified back there? Can you pull that up, Stephen? Have that verse there? Um, verse 47. We'll give him a second here. But, uh, but notice this. Here he, like I said, here he is. It says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have pity and mercy on me. What does it say? Now. This is a very forceful term. And that's actually a very accurate way to put it. Because he wasn't, at, he wasn't, it's interesting because, you know, here he is, he's on, the st- he's on the street begging, but in this situation, he's not begging. He's actually requesting in a very forceful way. He goes, Jesus, have mercy on me now. Whoa. Well, you see, faith has to go from a promise, it has to go from the form of a promise to a right. It has to go from a promise to a right. It has to go from, well, maybe that's available to me, to it's my right to have it. You understand? It has to go that way. You have to get so much, you have to build that muscle up. You have to build the Word of God up so much in your, in your heart. And you allow revelation knowledge to come up on the inside of you so much that it goes past hope. See, hope is, well, maybe he can heal me. That's hope. Praise God for hope. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right? You have to have hope before you're ever going to have faith. Without hope, you're just in despair, and there's, no, there, there's just no hope. There's, just, there's, nothing, there's no alternative than, than where you are right now. But when, when hope begins to build, you start seeing a different picture than what you've been told your whole life or what you've been told in your situation. Because your situation is saying one thing, right? It's saying this is how it's always going to be, and it's only going to get worse. That's what the situation is screaming at you. But when the gospel comes, when the word of God comes, it starts building hope, saying there's a different alternative, a different option, a different future that I can have than what this is saying to me. Praise God. And hope begins to stir and going, maybe that's true. Maybe that's available. Maybe that's something that's possible for me. And that's when hope begins to build. But then you, you continue to hear, and you continue to, to meditate the Word, and you continue to get the Word of God big on the inside of you, and then suddenly, revelation knowledge hits, and you realize, this is not a promise, this is a right. This is who I am. And when it's your right, you start getting very adamant about things. When it's your right, now suddenly, you've been stolen from. Instead of Instead of asking for something that is somebody else's and they want you, to, you want them to give it to you, now suddenly you realize it was already mine and somebody stole it from me. There's a whole different attitude, isn't there? If somebody comes in and tries to steal your television or your car or something like that, do you get passive about that? You see somebody walking up into your car, breaking in the window, getting in your car, driving out of the parking lot, you're going, oh, well... Maybe, you know, I guess if they're nice enough, maybe they'll give their car, that car back. You know, maybe, maybe they'll give me a car. I don't know. No, it's my right. That's my car. <laughs> and so you get adamant about, no, no, they've stolen this from me. And we have to get that way about, the, about, about our health. We have to get that way about everything that God actually says is rightfully mine. Jesus paid for it. He gave it to me. And I've got to get adamant about it. And I've got to realize it's not a promise. It's a right. You know, and start realizing that I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not demanding anything of God. I'm just simply going and actually receiving what's already mine, and I'm, 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 I'm uh, resisting the devil very forcefully, taking authority over the enemy and saying, you can no longer steal from me in this area. But it's, a, it's just a matter of, of walking things out and realizing that, that revelation has to come, and until, it's, until you get revelation of something, you're never going to act like this. At one point, it's interesting how this works, because at one point, the, the verse just prior to this, he was begging on the street. Now, he hears about Jesus. He's not begging anymore. He's shouting. He's not the mild-mannered beggar going, please, may I have alms. Now he's up shouting, saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Man, glory to God. How adamant are you about what God's already given you? How adamant are you about? How passionate are you about your healing? How passionate are you about anything? We, we have to get up and begin to shout. We have to actually get up and, and demand some things of, of the world system, of the devil, 
and just simply receive what's ours. But we have, to act, we have to exercise this faith and allow it to build up on the inside of us. It doesn't just happen, it doesn't happen by, by hearing one time. Once again, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And like we've talked about before, it doesn't, it doesn't, faith doesn't come by having heard the word, does it? Faith comes by hearing, present tense. I don't care how much word you've heard. You know, we've talk, we talk about it a lot. You know, you can't, you can't live on what you ate last month, right? Your physical body cannot live on what it ate last month. You're going to have to eat today. You're going to have to eat tomorrow, unless you're fasting or something. You know, but you understand, your body's running on what, it's currently, uh, what it has currently eaten. Your faith is running on what it has currently eaten. Your faith is running on what it has currently heard. Not what it heard yesterday or the day before. What is it hearing right now? And so it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he just, whew, he's up. <laughs> you know, and he is shouting. And we have to, uh, is our faith shouting? Is it actually loud? Is it louder than the circumstance? Think about what's going on. He's sitting there. He's the mild little beggar guy with no voice and no place in society. He's the lowest of the totem pole, when, other than maybe a leper. But uh, anyway, he's the, he's the lowest man in society sitting there begging for alms, blind, and yet he hears the crowd, right? And because there's always, it says there's a multitude. A multitude around, he hears the crowd. How much noise does a crowd make? Quite a bit. How loud did he have to be? Louder than the crowd. Are you louder than the crowd? Is your faith louder than the crowd? Is your faith louder than the circumstance? Is it louder than everything else around you? Or are you just sitting there going, well, I guess if it's meant to be, it'll just happen. Nope. The word says what's meant to be, and it says, my faith, it says, according to your faith be it unto you. He says, even at the very last verse there, it says, go your, your way, your faith has made you well. It was his faith that did it. it was, Jesus didn't say, my mercy made you well, or, or my ability, or my power. He says, your faith made you well. And so this is just one of the ways we have to, we have to begin to exercise this faith. Um, hold your finger there. Turn over to uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Praise God. I'm already just uh, getting all over this on the inside of myself. Praise God. I've got I to gotta hear this. I tell you, I've got to hear this. Uh, Hebrews chapter, chapter 5. Glory. Um, and verse 13. Hebrews 5, verse 13. says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But, verse 14, solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This is a great verse. I, I can't even have de- get time teaching on this, but um, this is such a great verse because here he says that those who by reason of what? Use have their senses exercised. How do I exercise? I've got to use it. How do I exercise my faith? I use it. How do I exercise my muscles in my body? I use them. If I don't use them, they don't get exercise. If, I, if they don't get exercise, they don't grow. How does my faith grow? I've got to use it. I've got to actually use it. I've got to, and you, you just start with where you're at. You don't start with, you know, like I said, if, if I have, if I have a, a 500-pound weight over here or even a 200-pound weight over here, I don't go, if I walked over there right now and tried to lift the 200-pound weight, it would probably strain me pretty good. I don't think I could probably get it off the ground, not by myself. Now, what if, what if I walked over to that every day and just tried to lift it every day? You know what? I would never be able to lift it. What do I have to do? I've got to start small. I've got to work my way up to it, right? So I've got to start with where I am. And this is how we build our faith, is we start where we are. We find out where, where, you know, how much can we believe God for. When we're talking about our healing, when we're talking about different things, you know, when we're talking about finances, find out where you are and then stretch your faith. Grow your faith. In other words, like, finances are a real easy one to do it with. Because finances, you can sit there and you can say, okay, uh, I need, you know, or maybe, you just, maybe it's not a need, maybe it's just a desire. You just want 20 bucks to do something. 
and just say, okay, Father, I'm believing you for 20 bucks. Outside my job, outside of the natural v- avenues, outside of what I'm normally doing, I'm just releasing my faith, and I'm just saying, I just believe God for $20. Praise God. And then you just rest. And you just l- allow him to bring you the $20. Now, once, once he brings you the $20, guess what? Now suddenly your faith begins to build, Right? Because then you're going, oh, glory to God. He actually gave me 20 bucks. Look, he actually gave me 20 bucks. Now I can maybe go up to 40 or 50 or 100 or whatever it is. But the word says there's some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, right? We can grow. Praise God. We can get better at this stuff. But we just need to start where we are. We have to build our faith. We have to exercise our faith. They They get exercised by reason of use. Use your faith. Don't, um, one of the things Brother Hagin said years ago, um, and, uh, you know, he just says certain things sometimes that really can either really encourage you or really condemn you, depending on how you view it. But uh, because just some of the things he said. But he said one time, he said, anything that you're leaning on in the natural is a hindrance to your faith. And at the time, what he was talking about was not using an alarm clock. That's what he was talking about. And, uh, and it's funny because I remember I was in, in class, you know, when he said that, and I was just like, okay, I guess I have no faith. <laughs> because I use an alarm clock every day, you know. But um, now I don't use an alarm clock. I haven't used one in years and years and years. But, uh, uh, but it's still, it's, it's, it's just understanding, though, that, that he, he was right in the fact that whatever I begin to lean on in the natural, I, if I lean on it in the natural, then I am not actually exercising my faith. It's a hindrance to my faith. It would be like, it, it would be like what if I had a wheelchair and like I said, there's nothing wrong with using a wheelchair if you need to. But if I, in, in, if I don't need to use a wheelchair right now. But what if, I did, what, if I, what, if, what if I just had a wheelchair, and just because I didn't want to use my legs, I just rolled around in a wheelchair all day long? What would happen to my legs? They'd get weaker, right? Because that wheelchair would be a hindrance to my natural strength. Does that make sense? Because I'd be depending on something that I'm not supposed to be depending on. And so... So that's how it would be in the, in the spiritual realm. When we, when we constantly lean on the natural, we're actually hindering our faith. We're hindering our faith from growing. Because we're supposed to be going by the supernatural, not by the natural. But anyway, so let's get, let's get back to, our, to blind Bartimaeus here, or seeing Bartimaeus as he is now. Mark, Mark chapter 10. So the first thing we got to do is we've got we to build our faith up. We've got to build those muscles up. Praise God. We already have faith. You don't have to get more faith. You just simply have to build the muscle. You have to exercise it. You have to release it. You just got to acknowledge that you have it and begin to walk in it. And uh, just like in Romans chapter 10, he said, don't, don't say, let's bring Christ down from above or bring Christ up from, from beneath. He goes, let's realize where Christ is. He's in my heart and he's in my mouth. It's just that close. It's just that easy. You know, don't, don't, don't wait for some huge thing to happen before you choose to believe God. Just with the heart man believes and with the mouth he speaks. Praise God. That's how easy it is. And so, uh, anyway, uh, back over here. Um, Mark chapter 10. So he heard, right? And he heard and he began to cry out. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so, once again, one of the things that faith does is faith actually causes you to act on something. Faith actually causes you to, to um, uh, rise up over what is, uh, I guess, current acceptable protocol. Um, notice what he did here. It says, he began to cry out, right? And when, ver- verse uh, 48, then... It says, many warned him to what? Be quiet. But what did he do? He cried out all the more. I love this. Here he is. He's already shouting over the crowd, Jesus! And they're like, no, man, shut up, man. Just don't bother the master, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, and what does that cause him to do? He got so much louder. Jesus! He just starts, just, this guy does not care about what people think. And you better not care about what people think if you're going to walk in this kind of faith. You better stop caring about the protocol, about what's acceptable. There's going to be things and people, not just people, but things around you that try to tell you just to shut up and sit down and stop rocking the boat. And just be, be thankful for whatever you have in life. And, and I'm not dissing thankfulness. You know, I'm, I love to be thankful. But understand, thankfulness does not mean to actually be to, to accept where you are and not to press on to something more. That's not thankfulness. 
And so we need to realize that, that there's things around us that try to pressure us to just settle for where we are. There's things around us. Now, the interesting thing is, who are, who are the ones who actually told them to, to shut up and sit down? Yeah, it was the crowd, it was the disciples, it was the people that were with Jesus. The very ones who are following the healer, I want you to see this, the very ones who are following the healer, the very ones who supposedly love the healer so much that they're with the healer, and then somebody needs healing, right? And what, does he tell, what do they tell them to do? Shut up and sit down. And I'm just telling you that the religious are the ones who will tell you to shut up the most. The ones who actually claim to love the healer, the ones who actually claim to love Jesus, and, and they, they claim to be following him, but when you step up and you start saying, man, this, this is who I am in Christ. This is what he's done for me on the cross. This is who, what is mine by right because I'm a child of the living God. When you start saying stuff like that, the religious say, shut up and sit down. Don't rock the boat. How dare you? How dare you say stuff like that? Heresy. <laughs> I tell you, but we need to realize that, that you know, it is not extreme to simply receive what's ours. It is not arrogant to receive something that's yours or to even walk in what's yours. You know, um, uh, you know Rachel, she's bought me lots of things over the years. Um, is, it, is it arrogant of me to go and pick out a tie on Sunday that she got for me and to wear it to church? That's not arrogant, is it? She bought it for me. She gave it to me. Now it's mine, right? I can wear it whenever I want to wear it, right? But if people were to say, how dare you? How dare you wear something that you didn't pay for and actually think that you can walk around in that? This is exactly what we're doing here, right? I am walking in something I didn't pay for. Praise God. But it's a free gift, <laughs> you know? And it's not arrogant of me. It's not prideful of me. It's not overly extravagant of me to go and wear a tie that Rachel bought me. And, and here's the thing. It's not extravagant of us to actually walk in what Jesus paid for and gave to me. Praise God. But the religious will, will, will try to get you to shut up and sit down. There's other voices that will try to get you to shut up. Um, obviously, the, uh, uh, just your, your own symptoms in your body will try to get you to shut up. Right? Your past experiences will try to get you to shut up. Those, the, all those questions about why somebody that you know didn't get healed. You know what I'm talking about? All the questions about, well, my aunt so-and-so loved Jesus, and she was believing God for healing, and she died. Guess what that, that question is trying to get me to do? Shut up and sit down. Does that have anything to do with the healing power of God? Does that have anything to do with how good God is? Nope. That's just a question. That's all it is. But all those things are, all those things, there's like I said, personal experiences, all these different things. My own sense of unworthiness will try to get me to shut up and sit down. You know what I'm talking about? Trying to, get you, trying, trying to get you to feel like you have to earn it? You're not holy enough. You're not spiritual enough. You haven't been saved long enough. You haven't been walking right with God. You sinned yesterday. How dare you try to actually... No, no, no. All that stuff is trying to get you to shut up and sit down. And what you have to do, you have to cry all the louder. You have to begin to stand up, humble yourself to the Word of God, stand up and say, no, no, no. This was a free gift. It was not of my own works, lest I should boast. It is not of myself. It is a free gift of God. It's by the grace of God, through faith plus nothing. And I'm just going to sit there and receive it, and I'm going to cry all the louder. But you have to begin to step up on some things and realize who you are and who you are in him. Now remember over in, uh, um, uh, man, this is, let's just look down here. I want to see this. Um, verse 49. So Jesus, what did Jesus do? He stood still. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> now, uh, now, interesting here because uh, this is somebody who cried out to the point where Jesus just stopped. He stopped what he was doing and it says, and he commanded him to be called. Then, what does it say? They called the what? They called the blind man. What did they say to him? Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. <laughs> now, the very same ones who are saying, shut up and sit down, you know, he goes, bring him to me. Oh, well, what are you doing sitting down? Come on. <laughs> you know? And they're like, <laughs> you know, just, uh, I tell you, re religion is fickle. 
You know, religion is like politics. You know what I'm talking about? They want to have everybody like them all the time, and the, 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 you know, every vote is, is just you know, going to change the way that they, they feel. But, um, but here Jesus says, you know what? Bring him to me. And so they bring him to him, and it's interesting because one thing we have to understand is as we, as we begin to step up and as we begin to cry out, God said this. He goes, if you draw near to me, what happens? I'll draw near to you. So if I begin to draw near, if I begin to press in past the crowd, I begin to press in past uh, you know, everybody else who tells me not to and all, my, all the things on the inside that are telling me not to and all my own past experiences and all the symptoms and all the other nonsense, all, if, I, if I press past all that and I just begin to draw near to God despite all of that, He just draws near to me. Glory to God. And now there's more of His presence in my life simply because I took a step. And there's not, what I love about it is now if I take a step, I'm not, I'm not just that much closer to him, right? Because if I take a step, then what does he do? He takes a step. So now I'm not just this much closer to him. I'm actually my step and his step closer to me. You see what I'm saying? Uh, to him. Here, he takes a step. Now suddenly that thing is right there. Praise God. God is right there because he draws near to me. Glory to God. But the, 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 the point is not what is he doing, the point is what am I doing? Am I taking a step? Am I actually drawing? Am I actually investing in the things of God? Am I seeking God? Am I pressing in? Am I going past all of these things? Stop, stop, even, I love this because he could have just sat down and thought, well, my lot in life says I don't have a voice in society. I'm just a blind beggar. I don't have any influence here. And so he could, have, he could have thought, who am I to bother you know, this great healer that's, that's, that has so much influence and is so being revered and respected by the multitude? Who am I to bother that? Who am I? Well, we have to press past any of that protocol or shame. Or, you know, a lot of it just comes down to pride. The fact that we're too prideful to even stand out from the crowd. We're too prideful to even allow our voice to be heard because we don't want to make it look like maybe we're believing God for something because what if it doesn't work? We've got to get past all that. We can't serve God on our terms. We have to serve God on His terms. We've got to get past all the pride. What does God do to the proud? He resists them. Who does He give grace to? The humble. We have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves past the crowd, past all that, and just begin to cry out. Begin to take a step. Hold your finger there. Turn over to, the, to Matthew chapter 16. Cry all the more, praise God. Cry all the more. In Matthew chapter 16, very familiar text here, in verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, what does it say here? He said to them, who do you say that I am? Right? And so he makes this very personal. And he, he begins to, to ask a very personal question. Now it's interesting here, he says, now I want you to see this. It doesn't say, who do men think that I am? Does it? He didn't say, who do you think that I am? What does he ask him? Who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter steps up and he starts saying, right? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. <laughs> and because of, that, you know, because of that, that, that revelation that he had of who Christ is, uh, you know, Jesus begins speaking this blessing over him, talking about authority in the church and the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and so forth and so on. And, and it's all based on who Peter said Jesus was. And it's, it's, once again, it's not about who everybody else says that he is. The question is, who do you say that he is? Whoever you say that he is, is who he can be to you. Turn back over to Mark. Whoever you say that he is, is who he can be to you. But he can't be anybody but that to you. You're limiting who he is to you by what you're saying about him. He's asking you all the time, who do you say that I am? And it's not even, who do I think he is? You understand? What I think of Jesus is not the issue. The issue is, who do I say? Something's coming out of my mouth, right? I have to say who he is. 
I have to say, if he's my healer, I have to say he's my healer. If he's my strengthener and my stand, I have to say it. And when I begin to say it, then, understand, did, did God know what all the disciples were thinking? Well, yeah, he's omniscient, right? God knows. He could have told Jesus what they were all thinking then, right? Just like he had different times. But he didn't. He said, who do you say? You're going to have to have something come out of your mouth. Who do you say? One, you know, like there's one question that says, who do men say? But the question is not who do men say. The, men, the question is, who do you say? And who I say Jesus is, is the only thing he can be in my life. I limit him by who I say he is. But if I'm not saying that he's my healer, if I'm not saying that he is the one who's already paid the price, if I'm not saying that, then he can't be that in my life. Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying here? Because as soon as I say it, I'm enacting the authority in my life and I'm allowing him to be that in my life. He wants to be so much more, right? What if all, what if all I ever say is that he's my savior? What if that's all I ever say? Then he's my savior. Now, in reality, he's my healer. And in reality, he's everything else. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But in my life, he can't be that. He can't be what he wants to be until I say it. Because I have authority in my life. And so, in, in reality, he is infinite. But in my life, he is what I say he is. Do you see what I'm saying here? And that's what he's trying to, he gets Peter down to saying, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He goes, okay, based on that revelation, here's what's going to happen. You know, and so, so we need to understand that if, I, if, I, if, if he's sitting there asking you, who do you say that I am, and you say, you are the Christ, the healer, the one who bore my sicknesses and my pains, you're the one who carried it all. Then he goes, okay, based on that revelation, you're going to have the keys of the kingdom based on that. Praise God. But we, no, notice over, back over here in Mark chapter 10, we see this principle act out here. And it says, um, verse 51, Mark chapter 10, verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, notice what he said in verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Did it seem pretty obvious? He's a blind man, right? I mean, come on. Is Jesus an idiot? No. But what had to happen? This guy had to release his faith. He had to say something, right? Right? And so here he is. He goes, who, he goes, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is still asking us the same question. And the blind man said, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Whew, glory to God. Verse 51. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Praise God. Do you see that though? He's, he's saying, what do you want? What do you want? Tell me what you want. What do you want me to do for you? It's a very personal, faith is so personal. It's so personal between you and Jesus. There ain't nobody else in the picture but you and Jesus. Don't let the crowd be in the picture. Don't let your past be in the picture. Don't let your family be in the picture. Don't let all your experiences be in the picture. Just let you and Jesus be in the picture. Just allow that to dictate who you say comes out of your mouth. Praise God. Man, he's, he is the Christ. He's the healer. Glory to God. And he loves me. He's the lover of my soul. Praise God. So, Anyway, um, uh, last point here, praise God. Are we getting something tonight? Man, I tell you, I just love this. This is firing me up. Um, Mark chapter 10. Uh, so, we see that he went to Jesus, did the whole thing. Uh, verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called uh, the, the blind man saying, be of good cheer, rise, rise, he is calling you. And I love verse 50. This is the last point of this. Verse 50, it says, and... It says, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. I love this whole thing. Now, if you know the culture of the day, if you've ever, been, if you've ever heard about this before, you know that the culture of the day was that, was that everybody had, had a form of a cloak or a robe that they wore, and what color it was would determine their lot in life. And so this guy, he had a beggar's cloak is what he had. He, it was a certain color. I don't know what color that would have been back then. You can maybe study that out. I don't know. But, uh, but he had a certain cloak, and that was the beggar's cloak. And so if you were, your, your cloak told you, told everybody who saw you um, what family you were of, what tribe you were of, what job you had, you know, your, just, just the whole status of, of who you were in society, your place in society was, was represented by the cloak that you wore. And so every cloak represented something different. And so it's interesting, and, and 
Anyway, I can't get into that right now. I guess let me just not get into that. Uh, I don't have time to. But anyway, praise God. Um, but it was something interesting. Uh, just let you know. <laughs> um, but it, this situation, here he is. Notice what he does, though. He gets up, and what does he do in verse 50? Praise God. He threw aside his garment. And I love this word because that, that word throw is also the word in the King James cast. It actually means to violently throw down. To actually, it means to separate yourself from. It means, it actually has to do with a cessation or even a reversal. Praise God. I love it. Isn't that good? I mean, that's what he did. I mean, here he is. He gets up. Now, I want you to see this. Ah. Uh, he was, he, of course, he was throwing aside what everybody looked at him and defined him by. And he said, now, at this point in time, let me ask you this. When he stands up, can he see at this point? Nope. Had he received his sight yet? Nope. Oh, man. I, I want you to see this. He began, uh, oh man, he, before he ever received his sight, before he ever had his eyes opened, he knew he was going to Jesus. And he knew, when I get done with him, I'm not going to need this anymore. And so he, he knew what he was going for, and he, he hadn't received it yet, but he received it in his heart so much that he, his identity was shifted at that point in time. And see, this is what we have to get to. We have to realize that when we go to Jesus, our identity shifts. Now, and now, the question is, what's your identity right now? If your identity is, is somebody who is sick, then that has to change. You have to have the identity of the healed. You have to have the identity of the healed. You understand that? And now, he, he claimed, the, I want you to see this, he claimed the identity of the healed before he was ever seeing, right? He, he threw off his old identity and said, I am not that identity anymore. I am no longer blind from this point on. And he hadn't even talked to Jesus yet. Glory to God. This is faith. This is somebody who stands up and realizes, before I ever see it in the natural, I've seen it in the, in, in, in the, in the supernatural. Before I've seen it in the seen realm, I've seen it in the unseen realm, and I'm choosing to filter my identity through the unseen instead of through the seen realm. Praise God. And just learning to throw that thing off. Now, I love this because he didn't even, uh, could he even see what color his cloak was? No. He didn't even know. But you understand, it was a cloak that he could feel on his shoulders. There was a pressure on his shoulders and on his back. There was just a, and I just want you to see this. It's so interesting how subtle the pressure can be. Just the pressure that tries to tell you what identity you are. Just that little pressure. He didn't see it. He didn't get up and go, oh, I'm not going to need this red cloak anymore. He didn't do that. He just felt the pressure. The same pressure he'd felt every day. You see what I'm saying? It's the same pressure that every day when he got up and he put his cloak on, he could feel that weight on his shoulders. And he just felt that pressure and he knew, the pressure I feel right now is telling me and everybody around me that my only place in society is as a, as a beggar. Just that little pressure. And this is what we have to cast off. This is what we have to begin to actually separate ourselves from. Is that little pressure. Is that pressure that tries to tell you who you are. That pressure that tries to tell you that you're not the son of God. The pressure that tries to tell you that you have to be more than you are right now. The pressure that tries to tell you that you have to be more spiritual or more holy. That pressure. And like I said, it's not something that's always huge. It's not something that's always just yelling at you. Sometimes it can be. But the crowd will yell. But sometimes that pressure is just so subtle. And all it's doing is waiting on you every day. Trying to define you. Trying to tell you who you are. Does, do you understand what I'm talking Can you identify with that? It's just that pressure. It's the pressure of, of things that, that, that came up through our experiences and from our past, different things, and it's just always trying to tell us that we just don't have quite enough, that there's something that we need added to us, that there's something we can't quite reach or attain. There's something just out of our grasp, and that little tiny pressure. And what we have to do before we ever see change in the natural realm is we have to cast that thing off, and we have to just go to Jesus. And learning how to just step up and realizing that he couldn't even... What I love about this is he didn't even... Did he even see Jesus before he went to him? Think about how awkward this would have been. He couldn't actually... He couldn't even go to Jesus based on sight. He had to go based on hearing. He had to go based on hearing the word of Jesus. He had to go based on hearing where everything was. And he just went to the voice. And then, at that point, of course, he hears the voice and it says... 
I love this because in verse 52, then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. He hears that, now it says, and immediately he received his sight. Praise God. It doesn't even say Jesus laid hands on him. He just heard the word, and now suddenly, bam, his eyes were open. Glory to God. But he didn't see clearly until he went through all these phases. And sometimes we're waiting for the circumstance to change before we change our identity. Or we're waiting to see something more clearly before we have faith. Before we move. Before we act. He didn't see anything until after he received everything. Praise God. This is faith. Now you see, faith, there's no such thing as blind faith. Because faith always sees something. Faith sees in the supernatural. Faith sees in the unseen realm. There's no such thing as blind faith. Blind faith is what we call foolishness. I won't get into that right now. But, uh, but there's no such thing as blind faith. But we have to begin to invest in what, what, by reason of use, we have our senses exercised so we can actually look into the spiritual realm and we can begin to see who we are. And the more we see who we are, the more we see that we are the healed. We are the whole. We are the strong. And everything else is a lie. And when, when that pressure comes to try to tell us just to shut up and sit down, just don't rock the boat, this is your lot in life, this is who you are. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but all, you have commercial after commercial after commercial on TV that tries to get you to shut up and sit down. It says, you know what, you're just getting older. By the time you get this age, this is probably what's going to happen, then this, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. That's just a weight on my shoulder trying to tell me who I am. And you've got to cast those things off, and you've got to say, no, no, I am with Jesus, and I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, and he quickens my mortal body, and he renews my youth like the eagles, praise God. Hallelujah. But you've got to cast the identity off before you ever even receive anything in the physical realm. You have to receive it in the spirit realm enough to be able to stand up, speak out to, to, to just by the name of Jesus and with the word of God in your mouth, declare who he is to you, and then begin to, to, to allow that to change your identity pattern. You are not the sick. You are not the lame. You are not the weak. You are not the beggarly. You are not any of those things. We are above only and not beneath, praise God. We are the healed, the whole, and the strong. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. We get something tonight? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll wrap it up. Father, I thank you, Lord God. Mm, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for these principles of healing, Lord God. That, that Lord God, we know the healer, Lord God. And we just thank you, Father, just that, that we, as we walk these things out, Lord God, more revelation. Father God, we can grow up in faith, Lord God. We can exercise our faith, Lord God. We can choose, Lord God, to see into the unseen realm. We can choose, Father, to, to speak above the circumstance, speak above the crowd, speak above everything trying to tell us that just to just shut up and sit down, Lord God. We choose to cry out and, Father God, walk in who we are in you. And we just thank you, Father God. Show us our identity in you. Show us, Lord God, that, Father God, our life is hid with Christ in God and we're going to run after Christ to find it and we just give you the praise and the glory that we are the healed, the whole and the strong and everything else is a lie we give you the glory for it in Jesus' holy name Amen Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full length messages We'll see you next time and have a blessed day